Hello, my darlings. I am so happy you're here. Welcome to this composed mess. My name is Finn. I am non-binary. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns, and I am so happy you're here. Uh, this is my podcast. If you haven't joined and this is the first episode you're in, glad you're here. I apologize that my voice is a little different. You know, life's happening, and that's really exciting, but it has been going in and out. I'm not in pain, so I'm still going to record this podcast, but um, things might be sounding a little different. That's awesome. So as I said, this is This Composed Mess, where I get to talk about the messy life that I live that I try so hard to show people is composed when it's really not the entire time. Uh, a little bit about the podcast episode this week is I'm going to be kind of answering questions people have been submitting to me via social media, questions that I've gotten in DMs in the past, like, month of everything changing in my life and on top of that just kind of addressing where I'm at currently in this stage of life. So without further ado, this is time to just kind of check in with y'all, see how you're doing. I know it's kind of a one-side FaceTime call as I say check in with y'all. You might be driving to work, you might be sitting at home. It's summertime soon so that's exciting. Maybe you're done with school. Congratulations if you are. I'm so sorry if your class of 2021, you guys just could not catch a break this year with so many things going on, and I'm proud of you. You did it. If you're in the home stretch, I am so proud of you too. Y'all are superheroes in my eyes from the amount of things that were thrown your way. Zoom classes were not ideal for anyone, just living in the Zoom life that we are right now. Um, but the world's changing, and that's really exciting too, and with change comes new opportunities and new experiences. and etc, etc, etc. So I'm happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Without further ado, my name's Finn and let's get started talking, y'all. So I'm pulling questions for my Instagram and I uh, don't want to like out people and I didn't ask people if they were comfortable with me mentioning their username or not. So I'm just going to keep things anonymous here. But um, in looking at all these DMs and messages, I like just pulled up my phone and the funniest thing that my brother just said was, um, if space is cold, why is sun hot? Now, you know, I'm going to out my brother Damon on this one and say, I don't have an answer for you. This is a very theos- theosophical question. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go with that. Um, I feel like you probably came up with this question under some form of substance. Because I don't think I would be in the right mind to just, like, come up with this thought. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you were just, like, vibing, taking goose on a walk. And, you know, that's actually what I think happened. I think you were taking Goose, your dog, on a walk, and I think you were looking around and you're feeling how hot it was outside, and you're like, why is the sun hot if space is cold? This is a question I would give Hank Green. Um, I would actually probably film a TikTok asking, you know, Damon, because um, this is important. This is an important question that I would like an answer to, too. Alas, I don't have an answer because I am not a scientific person, so I just wanted to get that question out of the way. <laughs> um, But I did kind of want to talk to a lot of people um, constantly ask, like, about my coming out experience and do I have advice on coming out, um, wanting to know, like, how I did it safely, um, dealing with, like, possible rejection. Um, Yeah, so I I kind of want to go on that. I guess to talk about coming out, for me, I had kind of came out before I came out and then I came up before that so about the age of like 18 19 when I was a freshman in college I like talked to a couple of my friends 
And I realized that I was like very interested in women and was still dating men, but I was really scared by women and they intimidated me. But I realized like how much I had a love for them and how I really wanted to be in like intimate, intimate dynamics with them. And I was talking to one of my friends in college and she was openly lesbian. So we had a long conversation about like her coming out experience, where she was at. And I knew that um, living in college, I felt a little bit more safe to like explore than like living under my parents' roof. But I also just knew that like my parents, since I was really young, were really accepting people. I remember at a really young age, they told me I could marry an avatar, which I think they were kind of going off of like skin color too, like, right, that doesn't matter. But I kind of took that as like, they just want me to be happy and find love. And so why would they make the judgment call on who I can love when this is not their life. They've helped me live the life that I live, but I am the only one that's living for me. And so I kind of had conversations with my friends and my my roommate and my sorority sisters at the time, my freshman year of college. And we we talked a lot about like how I felt comfortable saying bisexual, but was really scared to tell my parents. I remember coming home one weekend, like from college in Wisconsin, my mom was driving me back and I got home and like, I just looked at my parents and I was like, hey, um, I think I'm bisexual. Like, I like, I like women and men. And, like, they didn't even blink an eye. They were like, yeah, okay. Like, you don't have to label it if you don't want to. Like, that's totally fine. And I was like, excuse me? That's it? No big reaction? And I wanted to do, like, this big deal or deal thing. But, like, it just it didn't fit with the type of parents that I have. I was like, they're not going to give me a reaction. Even if I do do a big thing, they're just going to laugh and be like, yeah, okay, we want you to love who you love. So that's kind of where, <laughs> where it went there. Um, I will say that I continued to date men and continued to date men and continued to date men. And then my birthday last year, so August 6th of 2021, I or 2020, LOL, it's 2021 now. Um, August 6th of 2020, I did talk to my parents about how lesbian at the time was the term that I felt really comfortable with and I was like I want you guys to know that I'm strictly into women um that was where I was at you know at that time and and that's more than six months ago um and I just told them like this is where I'm at and they were like yeah okay and I posted on social media and etc etc and like it wasn't a big deal because I had already came out to like a lot of different communities but at the same time it was was a big deal because I was surrounding myself with people that knew where I stood with my sexuality but were like well you don't act on it and you date men so you know you're presenting as straight and heteronormative so we're just gonna let this one slide um, and I, I'll be honest, like, I said I was an LGBTQA plus ally, but, like, I wasn't doing the work. Like, I didn't understand a lot. I didn't even know non-binary people, like, existed, if I'm being really honest. Um, because that was just something that was never taught to me and never, like, explained to me. And I didn't do my own research. It's not like someone needs to explain those things to me. I should have done my own research to understand those things. And so, um, yeah, and when I came out, as lesbian, so many things changed. Um, the first person I went on a date with after coming out as lesbian identified as non-binary. And I had a, you know, a long conversation with them about like, I'm identifying as lesbian. And I don't want that to be making you uncomfortable if you don't feel comfortable identifying as a woman. And then we had a whole conversation about how lesbian doesn't need to mean just a woman loving women. It can be it can be different by everyone's definition. If that's the term that you're comfortable with, it could just be assigned female at birth. This, like, you're interested. But it also, that's not terrible, too, because then that could 
remove the trans community out of the picture and transgender women are women. And um, there's, there's a lot of conversations that were had there. Um, but that's where I had landed six months ago. And I'm really lucky that my parents and, you know, my family didn't really blink an eye. Um, like my, my grandparents were pretty understanding, right? They just wanted me to be happy. Um, and you know, uh, I haven't seen a lot of my family members due to COVID. So I think that's what also kept it in a safe environment too, is that I wasn't, um, I wasn't really seeing family to have the in-person conversations. I could just post on social media and like get away with it. And if they didn't like it, like they didn't, they didn't have to. Um, but right around like, I would say the beginning of 2020, I started diving more into my own um, sexuality a little bit more on top of the fact of like my gender identity. Because the first um, girlfriend I had after coming out, who I'm still dating right now, named Lily, is sweetest human ever. Um, when we met, it was October. And so I had recently came out. Um, but I was still in, like, my baby queer phase of, like, figuring out my own identity and how I wanted to present in the world and how I wanted um, others to perceive me, even though I don't want anyone to perceive me at all. And so part of that was I bleached my hair and I had purple hair and I was um, dressing really femme and like thrift stores and I wanted to, I don't know, embrace my hyper femininity to fit into the femme lesbian mold. And I just, I felt this pressure because my partner was presenting as more masculine that I was like, well, I'll be the feminine relationship because representation wasn't huge for me. I was still looking at straight cisgendered media as a baby queer lesbian, um, trying to figure it all out. And so for me, um, when I met my girlfriend and we hung out and stuff, I started to realize more and more that like, I love my girlfriend as the person they are. I want to get that out of the way. But I also realized that I had a lot of envy towards my partner and the way they were presenting and the way they were appearing. And I realized that, like, I love them for them and I wouldn't change them. And I felt this, like, pressure of, like, well, they look that way, so I can't also look that way. Because that would be weird, right? Like, why would I want to look like my partner? Like, that's kind of strange and odd. Um, it's not strange and odd because, you know, quote-unquote, butch on butch is a whole entire song, right? Like, mask and masculinity being representation is a thing to femme women. It doesn't matter at all. And so, um... When I left from seeing my partner and stuff, I started to explore more with, like, my gender expression, my gender identity, and I realized that I am non-binary, and so when I came out as non-binary and told people, like, I'm using they, them pronouns, um, it was, it was harder <laughs> for everyone around me, you know, family included, um, to get on board with that. I have a couple family members that don't understand it. And they probably won't do the research to understand it. I don't think they really want to understand it. And that's something that's really hard for me. Um, because I'm, you know, my relationships are not going to be as great because of that. Doesn't mean I don't love them or care about them. But it is hard, like, being surrounded by people that don't fully view the way that you identify yourself as, as valid, right? As their identity. Because... Um, they don't understand non-binary pronouns and using they, them. Um, and that was really hard and it was, it was a whiplash for me to see so much acceptance due to my sexuality, but the gender expression 
was like a completely different game changer, right? Like people just could not understand it. Um, and that's been really difficult. And I'm, you know, leaving some of the situations I've been put in um, due to my new role. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm moving this week also. But um, it hasn't always been the best. It's been difficult. And there have been uncomfortable situations because of it. I think on top of, you know, my pronouns changing and um, being misgendered every day (laughs) due to different situations I'm put in. Um, And, you know, family parties are really uncomfortable for me because the name change isn't being offered. Um, My brother, I would just like to put out there, is the best human in the whole entire world and literally changed like within the first day. Um, And there's like understanding too that when you change a name someone's known for 23 years and they know you so intimately, that's hard to adjust and change, right? And self-correction can be really uncomfortable. And how do we go about that? Um, And so that's been the hardest is that my work environment and my friend environments have all not honored the name change so well that I forget the name that I was given at birth. (laughs) And then when I'm in family situations or extended family situations, um, it's constantly used. And so I get a little bit of whiplash because I'm like, what, who is this person? Um, I don't view it as quote unquote a dead name, but I do recognize that that's like a whole different identity and person that lived in that name. And so there's beauty to it. And I, I understand that and I can look back with fondness to the name, but that's not what I respond to now. And so there's a little bit of uncomfortability there. I think to answer, you know, this long winded question is it's all about making sure number one, you are in environments that foster acceptance And so for me, I knew that like my work environment right away was going to be accepting. So I just told them straight up, this is what I do. This is what I go by. Um, My, you know, different situations have different reactions. And I think the best way that I can pick up on that, which another question is, when do you know to share pronouns? Like how to make sure it's safe? Um, I almost always just do, (laughs) Um, depending. I, I have really amazing friends that I've literally been in public situations and they have introduced um, their friends and like, they'll be like, they'll be like, oh, Anthony, like Anthony uses he, him pronouns. Anthony, this is Finn. Finn uses they, them pronouns, right? Like they, he pronouns. Um, like I have really good friends that just like pick up on it. Um, so friendship situations haven't really been hard or like meeting new people, but we're in the middle of the world that we're living in. I'm not meeting a lot of new people. Um, work, I just say, I just say them like, hi, my name's Finn. I use they, he pronouns. Like no one blinks an eye. They're like, oh, okay. Um, I had someone at Starbucks that worked with me for a day and I introduced myself and then I changed my name the next day. Um, and she adapted super fast. I was just like, Hey, just so you know, I go by Finn now. I use they, he pronouns. And she's like, okay, no questions asked, right? Like, I think it depends on your environment. For me, like, I, um, I'm selective, I will say. But at the same time, like, it's a basic thing. And if people want to argue with me because I use different pronouns, I, I am at an emotional standpoint where I'm comfortable and okay with that argument. But I understand not everyone is, and that doesn't view less than, etc. Um, everyone's at a different stage or just, like, different types of people. I'm an extroverted person, so I'm going to be loud and uh, throw commotion, but I'm not saying that everyone has to do that. So I'm sorry, that's a very long-winded question, but I hope that answers, you know, your question a little bit on gender 
identity, where I came, coming out, safety. Yeah. So another question that I got is from my friend Sadie, who I absolutely adore. If you're not following Sadie, you should be. It's Sadie, I think it's Framness. I could be completely butchering that. Um, Sadie is literally, I think on TikTok at like 250k. It's so fun too because we like started TikTok at the same time and I grew a lot and then Sadie just like went crazy which is wonderful because um, Sadie deserves the platform and kind of wants that platform and I'm like it's, it's okay babe keep going. But anyway <laughs> I digress. Um, Sadie asked me what's been your favorite part of your self-discovery journey. Um, I would say that my favorite part of self-discovery has been gender identity. Because I never thought I would get here. I even remember two months ago looking at my therapist and being like, well, I don't identify as transgender. <laughs> Psych. Um, but I do, like, I just, I had so much of my own internalized biases, internalized homophobia, so much oppression of who I wanted to be um, that's taken me so long to get here. And I'm so proud of where I'm at now. And I, I get really excited about that growth because six months ago, I would have just giggled and been like, yeah, no, no way. I'm just interested in people that look like that. And it's like, no, you wanted to be that. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but like a big thing I've learned is like the boyfriends that I stayed with the longest were the, the men that I envied and wanted to look like and appear like. Um, and that's been something that's really you know, it makes me laugh now at the time, you know, probably wasn't the funniest, but I think the biggest thing that I love about self-discovery is like how I feel better looking in a mirror because of the journey um, and depth and like self-identity and research and therapy and growth that I've had in the past couple months. Um, it's been big. It's been really cool to go through deconstruction of what I thought gender was versus, you know, what I believe it is and what science says it is. Um, versus like sexuality spectrums and gender identities and um, merging the two and how sexuality can be different and is different than gender um, but also like understanding how sometimes they can coincide with how we want to appear and how we want to act and the point I'm getting at is that's that's been the I think the coolest part of being able to look in the mirror and be like this makes sense this is the person I've been wanting to see um, and recognizing that that doesn't like I don't think in the past I looked in the mirror like, who is this person? But I for sure looked in the mirror in the past and just hated. But I couldn't figure it out because, like, I wasn't an unattractive person. It just wasn't the person I wanted to look like and appear like, um, which was really frustrating because I had so many people that were kind of idolizing me in a way. Like, at the beginning of TikTok, so many people were like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful, et cetera. Oh, my God, I want your purple hair. And I just, like, I didn't like it. And I was trying to be something for someone else for other people, not one person specifically. Um, and I just look back of like, I'm really proud of myself. Absolutely. That's like a huge thing. Um, someone also just asked like, how is your stuff going? <laughs> um, my stuff is going well. It's kind of comical to see, you know, the changes that have occurred in a short amount of time. Um, I didn't think my body would work that way, but I'm gonna take the win where I can, and I'm thankful for what's happening. Um, I'll go in more detail at a like later date. Right now, it's only been three weeks; it hasn't even been a month. So I don't want to like speak on behalf of everything going on in my body because like that's I don't have a ton of research, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Um, it's really cute, though, too, because some of the questions y'all asked were like, where's your shirt from, etc.? Where are your shoes from? So then I'm like, guys, the podcast, you don't need, so many people listening probably don't even know what photo I posted on my Instagram to get these questions, but it made me laugh. Um, but someone also just, like, wanted to hear about my cat story, and I got really excited because I would love to tell you all about my cat. Um, if y'all don't know, I did post a TikTok recently with my cat in it because my cat and I went to the vet and we figured out that she is overweight and needs to lose some weight. Um, and, uh, in the process, Spencer kind of became a little bit famous. So I guess I'll tell you that story a little bit. So my cat Spencer has a crazy origin story, um, of how I got her, how, like what happened the first week I got her, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just going to tell all of it because it's really funny. Um. To not just me, but like people that I tell. So in in the beginning, the world created me and the world created anxiety. And they had a child, you know, except, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is I'm an anxious person. Um, so I was in therapy my freshman year of college. I had been seeing my therapist for about a year and I had been on and off, you know, anxiety medication antidepressants, etc. And we just, we couldn't find like a marriage between what was going to work with my body and my other health conditions and my other medications. So we were like, okay, what do we do now? And so I was sitting with my therapist one day and my therapist was like, have you ever thought about like animal therapy? I was like, well, we have a dog at home that I really love, but like, obviously I can't bring my dog to college with me. And at this point it's first semester of college and I'm severely anxious and depressed and I I had just moved out of my old <laughs> first roommate um to live in a tiny signal single dorm room it was six foot by nine feet okay it was tiny 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 tiny, tiny. um like single bed barely fit it was it was a lot um and I remember looking at her and she was like have you thought about getting like an emotional service animal I was like well, what's that I had no idea um, and she was going on and on about like how emotional service animals can be registered so that they can live in like housing situations with you. Um, it doesn't make it a service animal. You can't take it out in like public places, etc. but it gives you documentation by the Fair Housing Act that you can live with this animal. If you have like it basically prescribed to you as like a medication, a form of therapy. I was like, I don't know about that. Like I'm 18. I don't know if I can take on the full responsibility for a cat. Like, I have a job, but I'm not making a lot of money. I had a spending problem, too, completely transparently, where my mom had given me a credit card my freshman year of college to, like, use in case of emergencies, and I was using it, like, every week for groceries. Um, don't do that unless you communicate that with your family, okay? I'm aware of my mistakes, and I'm going to just openly share that because we're being completely transparent here. Um, and so anyways, I was like, I can't afford a cat. Like, absolutely not. My therapist was like, okay, just think about it. Like, I fully understand that. I just think it might be a good form of therapy for you. So I'm at home on winter break. It's December of 2015, and I finished my first semester. And I'm, like, sitting down with my parents, and I'm telling them, like, hey, my therapist thinks I should get <coughs> Wow, hello, voice. Ooh, one moment. I don't know what that was. Um, but I was like, my therapist thinks that I should be getting a service animal, like an emotional service cat. And my parents were like, yeah, no. Like, you can't handle a cat. And I was like, yeah, but, like, I think it could be really beneficial. Like, I started to think about the idea more, and I was like, a cat could be really great in my dorm room. Meanwhile, guys, I'm not thinking about the fact that my dorm is six by nine feet, Okay. But I'm like, it'll be fine because, like, it, I just, I, I, I should get a cat. And my parents are like, no, absolutely not. So they started making jokes like, we'll get you a stuffed animal cat. 
um, my cat Winky, who had been living at the house already for like 10 years, they were like, you can bring Winky. I was like, no, Winky cannot. She does not deserve a tiny little dorm room. She's been living in this two-story house. So I tried begging and begging. And finally, they're like, okay, if you can financially take care of this cat, like, we'll allow you to take care of the cat. I was really honest. I'm like, okay, but what if I get, like, a camp job, et cetera? They're like, okay, well, we'll take care of your cat temporarily, but, like, this is your cat. Like, this is your commitment. I was like, okay. So I'm 18. I'm a baby. And I go back to school in January of 2016. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to the Humane Society and, like, look for cats. Because I, I wanted to adopt, not shop. Um, so I go to the Humane Society, and, like, I had already picked out, like, one or two that looked really, really cute on the website. So I'm at the Humane Society, and I'm talking to the person about the cats, um, and we're, like, looking into it. And I take out one cat, and I'm petting it. And I'm like, this is a really sweet cat. Um, it's a baby kitten, though. I don't know, like, if I, if I can handle a baby kitten. Like, I think it would be cool to have a baby kitten, but, like, you know, you take, you literally have it eight weeks for the rest of your life, but I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle it. Then the other cat I was really interested in, the owner, not the owner, lol, um, the person that worked at the Humane Society, like, opened the cage, and it hissed, and almost bit her, and I was like, it's having a bad day, like, it's okay, like, we'll come back to it, because I didn't want to, like, be like, oh my god, this cat's evil. No, cats have bad days, they don't want to be taken out of their safe space, like, to be pet by a random stranger. Absolutely not. I understood cat energy right away. I also had been given the idea to get a dog, but I didn't want to keep a dog in a tiny little dorm room. And my logic was like, well, this cat is probably going to be something that's been stuck in a cage for so long. It'll be okay with a dorm room. So I thought we'll go into that later. Um, and so I, I get to the look at all these cages and I'm like, I really need a cat today. And I'm like being impulsive, but not impulsive. But I'm just like really stressed about finding the right animal because I didn't have a car. So I had to convince one of my sorority sisters to drive me to the Humane Society when she had time, and it was like 10 minutes away from my college dorm, and I was like, okay, we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. So I look at one of the cages, and there's this tiny, tiny fowls, okay, seven-pound cat hiding in the corner of its cage, and it has these beautiful green eyes, and I go, oh, that's the color of my birthstone because I'm born in August, and it's like this really pretty light green. That's the cat size. And so I'm like, do you, is this cat up for adoption? They were like, yeah, she is. She's pretty sick though. Just giving you a heads up. The people that found her, they found her just crying outside their front house in the middle of like Wisconsin winter. So the cat just got cold. Like we're pretty sure she's a dumpster cat. She's about a year old. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll take her out. I take this cat out and hold her in my arms, and she just falls asleep. I was like, this is it. This is my cat. I don't care if she's sick. It'll be fine. I will take care of her. Um, and she's a year old and seven pounds, okay? She should at least be about nine pounds. So I knew she was not doing the best, but I knew that she could gain weight in the right environment, according to what they told me. And they told me that, you know, she had a clean bill of health. She was just so tiny and underweight that they were really hoping to find an owner that could get her up to speed and, like, nurse her back to health in that way. Because if cats are underweight, that's going to lead to other health problems too, right? So I look at them and I'm like, this is my cat. When can I take her? But they had to verify with my housing, of, you know, my apartment complex that I could have a cat. Well, I went on a Saturday. My housing complex, aka the dorms that had my ESA registration, 
were closed. So I had to ask a humane society to hold a cat for me, which is like not something they normally do, right? Like this is a cute cat. The cat's going to be gone. By the will of the universe, this cat got held. I'm saying this cat because, okay, my cat's name was Martha. Martha. And it was really awkward because I was like, this cat is not a Martha. But the person that was showing me around was like, oh, I named this cat Martha. So I don't want to be a jerk. Like, yeah, we're changing that name real fast. But Spencer was a Martha. So anyway, they hold this cat. I convinced my roommates to take me shopping for this cat. Um, And, you know, we get everything. We get my apartment set up. But I'm then told, or my tiny little dorm set up, I'm then told on Monday that I need to come get her, otherwise they're going to take her away. Well, my dorm room told me they weren't going to approve her till Wednesday, okay? So I'm in a predicament here because I want this cat more than ever. I've fallen in love with this cat. I've pictured this cat. I, I, you know, I was crafty, so I made, like, a canvas for this cat. I'm in love with this cat. And I knew I was going to name her Dr. Spencer Reed after Criminal Minds because I was in a Criminal Minds binge watch, and she just reminded me of Spencer, and I love when Gideon Hotchner decides to go Spence, Gideon, and Hunter. I know they're different people, by the way, but I just think it's so funny when they're like, Spence, come here. So that was why I decided to name the cat. So I am in a predicament because the cat can't come into my dorm room till Wednesday, but I have to get the cat Monday night, otherwise we don't get to keep it. So I take advantage of one of my sorority sisters who lives in a studio apartment, and they allow cats. And I ask her, do you think I could adopt the cat and then leave the cat in your apartment for two days? So I'm basically going to adopt this cat and then like let you take care of it for two days. And she was like, yeah, you can do that. I'm like, okay, totally fine. So I get this cat. I take her to my friend Jasmine's apartment. We keep her in the bathroom. We let her walk around a little in the bathroom. Then we open up and she hides like in between like the couch cushions of this tiny studio apartment okay like it's literally the bedroom and the couch are in the same area you have a kitchen you have a bathroom very tiny um and we're like okay and so I hung out for like four hours playing with the cat talking to Jasmine and then Jasmine's like okay I'm gonna get going to bed like don't worry Spencer will be okay I'm like okay okay so I I have Jasmine drive me to my apartment drop like my dorm room drop me off I get a call that night at three in the morning, three in the morning, and I'm freaking out. And Jasmine goes, hey, I'm so sorry. I was like, what, what's going on? She goes, I can't find your cat. What do you mean you can't find my cat? Where, where's my cat? What are you talking about, homie? Jasmine's like, I can't find Spencer. I don't know where she went. I heard a loud bang, and I don't know where she is. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know where she is. Meanwhile, I don't know that when you adopt a pet, you probably keep it in, like, a confined space, like, you know, to acclimate. We just let her run around the apartment. That's a bad call on my part. I didn't know, guys, okay? I'm sorry. I was a child. I'm learning. I know all these things now. I promise. I'm a perfect cat mom. But I did not know better. So I'm, like, having to freak out because it's 3 a.m. and Jasmine's freaking out. She can't find my cat. She said she went through her whole entire apartment and couldn't find my cat. I was like, okay, well, cats are known to hide. Like, it'll be okay. It wasn't okay. So normally, you know, I realize now the cat, like Spencer was sick. She wasn't feeling well. And so she decided to hide. She hid. This is how we figured out where she went. So I wake up that, that day, right? It's Tuesday morning. 
And Jasmine calls. She goes, I found your cat. I go, what do you mean you found my cat? Where's my cat? She goes, I'm just going to have to pick you up and show you. I'm like, where did she hide in this apartment? She sounds all frantic and stressed. So we get to the apartment. And Jasmine's like, lay on the kitchen floor. I was like, what? She's like, lay on the kitchen floor. I'm like, okay. She's like, look at my, you know, bottom cabinets. Look in that corner. I'm like, okay. She goes, there's cat hair, right? I was like, yeah. She goes, put your hand underneath the cabinet. There's a hole. I'm like, yeah. She goes, your cat's in the kitchen cabinet island. I was like, what? She goes, put your phone in through that hole and take a picture. Take a picture. My cat's in the kitchen fucking cabinet. So what happened was that bottom island kitchen cabinets, right? When there's a corner, sometimes there's just a big space if it's a cheap apartment complex. And there was a little hole underneath it that they didn't like seal. And then there was just this big cabinet area, right? But there was no way to get to it, okay? So my cat went into it. So then we're looking up all these articles of like things to do. So we start microwaving her cat food, which is disgusting. They're like, get something smelly. So she tries to get out. So we do that and we put it in the, like right underneath the hole and her little paws coming out, but her head isn't. And we realize that my cat is stuck in the kitchen cabinet, stuck in the kitchen cabinet. I feel so guilty because I convinced my friend to take care of this cat for two days, only two days. And my cat basically has decided to just destroy her apartment complex because we realized the only way to get the cat out is to cut open the kitchen cabinet. Which were two, you know, at this point, sorority women. We're not, we, we're not fit to cut open a kitchen cabinet. I feel so guilty. I just look at her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. She was like, just leave. You got to go to class. We'll figure it out. She had a fiance at the time. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I go to class. About two to three hours go by and I don't hear a text. And then I get a call from Jasmine. She's like, hey. I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, I'm going to come get you. Your cat's out of the cabinet. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, your cat's out. I'm like, okay. Because I need you to do me a favor, though. I'm like, what? She goes, can you buy blank? Because um, they're not engaged anymore. She goes, can you buy? I'm going to call him K. She goes, I need you to go buy K a fifth of alcohol for what he just did. I'm like, okay. So I've never met Kay at all. I just know that this is Jasmine's fiance and he cut open a kitchen cabinet to get my cat out, right? So she gets me, we get to the apartment. He's sitting there on the floor, just staring at this hole that he created to get my cat out when we walk in. And he looks at me and goes, your cat's in the bathroom. And then I handed him alcohol and he like took some drinks. Uh, so that is how, you know, the first... 24 to 48 hours with Spencer were not ideal. Okay. So then she stayed in the bathroom all night. She was fine. Then I took her to my dorm room. And, you know, she was okay, right? Like, she was surviving. She wasn't thriving. Within 48 hours of getting, you know, a new pet, you should take them to the vet just to make sure everything's right. Even if you get them from a humane society, you want to establish care with the vet. So that Wednesday afternoon, we had a vet visit. So after all of this, you know, I bring Spence to the vet and they're like, your cat is severely dehydrated. She's also underweight. Otherwise she looks okay, but we're going to keep an eye on her because she's really underweight and she's really dehydrated. So it's, the story just keeps going on and on and on, pal. So 
they are like, we're going to give your cat an IV. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm broke, homies, okay? I'm like, yeah, cat, cat food, you know, can, cat toys, cat bed. What can go wrong? Cat litter. No, vets are expensive. Don't get a pet if you can't afford vet care. So I'm like struggling, right? Because they give my cat an IV, that's money, cat visit, etc. She's all up to date on her shots, but still, they hand me my cat in the carrier. And Spencer has the biggest just glob. Like, I would say the size of a kid-sized soccer ball just attached to my kid. And I look at them and I'm like, huh? They're like, oh, yeah, the IV, that's, we just inject them and then it'll slowly dissipate. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so in the 48 hours I've had this cat, she has destroyed someone's apartment complex, like given everyone a run for her money. Um, that night she had, she had kept me up all night meowing because she was stressed out and anxious. Then you give me my cat and IV. What else can go wrong? So she was really good. You know, the first week and a half I had her after the IV, she was gaining weight. Um, she was super lovey. She was pretty skittish, but that's okay. Um, yeah, she was wonderful. And I, I do adore my cat still, by the way. I have this cat. Her name is Spencer after Dr. Spencer Reed. And I'm like really in love with my cat. She's, she's quiet. She only keeps me up here and there. Um, she's not shedding at all, which I plot twist pals. She was dehydrated. She sheds a ton now that she's healthy, but she was so underweight and malnourished. She wasn't shedding hair. I was like, Oh my God, my cat doesn't shed. That's amazing. No, psych. So then we go into week two of having Spencer. And Dr. Spencer Reed gives me a run for my money because week two, I'm hanging out in my dorm room, writing a paper. I look over at my cat and the side of her chest is just super big, super little, super big, super little. She's breathing crazy. So I call the vet and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like my cat's not breathing the way that a cat should be breathing. I looked it up. Like I'm really stressed. Like you need to take her to an emergency vet clinic right now. Do you want to know how much an emergency vet clinic is? Because I don't think you want to know. So I bring the cat, okay? We're sitting in the emergency vet care. Like, okay, we're going to take care of your cat. Okay. So they monitor her for two hours and they tell me, in order to get more conclusive information, we're going to have to run labs on your cat. We're going to have to shave, you know, part of her body and give her an EKG. And we're going to have to do a heart monitor and an x-ray because we think that something's wrong with your cat's heart or her lungs. I look at them. I'm like, your kid? Uh, yeah, okay. Guess who I call? My mom and dad. And now I have to face the fact that I have to admit to them that I cannot afford to take my cat to an emergency vet bill. I do not have this amount of information, like money. Um, and I, I goofed up. I, I, I picked the right cat. I love her to death. But in this moment, I picked the wrong cat. So... All of the vet does all this stuff, um, and I call my mom, and she's really sweet, and she's like, okay, I'll call the vet clinic and give them you know, my credit card information, and I'm so privileged that my parents did this, okay? So they show me my cat's x-ray, and one lung is bigger than the other. They think what happened is my cat got chronic pneumonia in December 2015, was in so much pain from the pneumonia and her, one of the sides of her lungs getting bigger, um, and then getting smaller that then her heart got enlarged. So one side of her chest was just bigger than the other, um, due to malnourished diet, etc. that this just got worse, that she was in so much pain. That is why she went to someone's house, just meowed super loudly, 
that's how then, you know, someone brought her, they couldn't take care of her, so they brought her to the Humane Society. And I look at them, I'm like, great. They're like, yeah, you know, in, in summary, you know, your cat just needs to get healthier, just more food, more love. Like, you know, she might have a, you know, 10 years to live instead of 20. And I look at them, I'm like, what did you say to me? I've had this cat for two weeks, and you're telling me my cat's going to die sooner than other cats? Shush, I don't want to hear it. Um, and then they give me the bill that Nancy paid. Um, it was $1,000. for a vet bill. All for a cat I said I could take financial care for. Great. So um, that's the story of me and Spence. You know, after that, we, I, had, I had antibiotics to give her. So I was giving her like a liquid diet and then trying to get pills into my cat's mouth was not ideal. Um, but Spencer and I have been in the longest relationship I have ever been in. We're going on six years, coming up to seven. Um, I love my cat with my whole heart. And that's kind of how Spencer came to be Spencer. I have had to, you know, move away. I worked at Disney and I couldn't bring my cat. I've had summers where I was a camp counselor. Um, and Spencer became baby kitty in the household because we have Winky, who's my older cat. She's 16 now. She's a 14-pound all-black cat. And then we have Spencer, who's 9 pounds. She's now 12 or 11, but she was 9 pounds. Um, and they would call her baby kitty to differentiate the cats. So my parents love my cat. They take care of my cat. They're really sad that my cat and I are, you know, going away and leaving. But that's the origin story of Spencer and I. I know it's a lot of information, but you signed up for it and you asked the question and I could talk about my cat for hours. So you're welcome. <laughs> so after talking about my cat for quite a bit of time, um, a lot of questions too are like talking about um, my clothing and like my clothing decisions. I just want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, I guess like it was like, where do you buy your clothes? Um, and then where did you get your fashion inspiration? I think it's really funny, pals. So almost, I would say 90% of my clothes are thrifted. And what I've learned by doing that is that I don't have an emotional attachment to my clothes. Like there's for sure things that I'm like, oh, I love this shirt, etc. But like, I don't, I really don't feel attached to things. And the reason I did that and started thrifting most of my clothes was that um, if you lose something, it's not the end of the world. If something rips, it's not the end of the world. And I used to be really materialistic and cared like a lot, a lot, a lot about everything I was wearing and how much money I paid for it. And I'd get really stressed about that. That was like an anxiety of like, I'm wearing these pants and they were $40. Oh no, I got a pen stain on them. We're like, oh no, they were three bucks. Okay, I'll be okay. Because I'm also just like a reckless human. <laughs> so I started thrifting most of my clothes. What I've learned too is that older clothes just have withstanded more time. I also like wearing things that I know like someone else has lived in this and this is a story attached to it. That's why a lot of my clothes are really unique is like they're older and that probably means that they're from a different time period or generation in life. It's kind of like a time capsule. So almost all my clothes are thrifted. A lot of them come from Goodwills in my areas, Savers in my areas. I have like a couple local thrift stores in my areas. I don't like to give my money to big like conglomerations of companies, but they are from Goodwill. Uh, savers too. And then I also really love Depop and Poshmark. I love the concept of being able to support like someone randomly that's probably in a financial situation that they decide to sell their clothes or maybe they're upselling, you know, to each their own, the hustle's real. Um, but that's kind of where a lot of, almost all my clothes come from. The things that I have decided I will pay for full price, which even then I don't pay for a price because I'm a bargain shopper, are shoes. Um, 
I really like a new pair of shoes because I know that they'll stay on my feet and only my feet. And that's like a hygiene thing personally. That's my decision. Um, and I also will pay full, full price for a pair of jeans. Now I've found some really good thrifted jeans. So like I don't. Um, and new jackets. Um, those are kind of my things of like what I will spend money on. But even then I really don't. Um, I'm so tiny that it's hard to find a good fitted pair of jeans that are vintage because a lot of times like I like men's jeans and it's hard to find a tiny pair of men's jeans but sometimes I wear kids jeans sometimes I find a really cool like pair of women's jeans that are a little bit more baggy so that's kind of where my my fits come from I don't really have an inspiration other than um wearing what makes me happy <laughs> and I think it's all about your confidence like people look at me like oh my god I love your style I think you're vibing with like the vibe I'm putting out by what I'm wearing, not the actual clothing to say the least. That's kind of where I'm coming from for sure. So I also want to add when I posted about getting my new job back at Disney, I forgot that like people follow me on my platform. Like I forgot that like I'm now telling people where I'm living. I forgot that. Okay. So um, please be respectful to the fact that I posted kind of where I'm at and where I'm going to be. I didn't tell you exactly where I'm going to be located, although some people kind of figured that out. Um, but I'm getting like some DMs from people that are like, can I be your friend? I'm going to be working at, you know, Disney World 2 or, oh my God, I can't wait. Like I'm visiting. Yes, absolutely. Um, please know that like, you can come say hi to me if you see me in public, but that's always going to be something that's allowed. I'm never going to be like, oh my God, don't, please come say hi. Um, it's even weirder if you don't come say hi and you're like, oh my God, I saw you at work. Like, come say hi. It's okay. Um, I'm a barista if that gives you more information and I'm going to be at a park that has a lot of animals in it. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. You're welcome. Um, there's my two cents. But I have some people do that. Like I'm doing my DCP, et cetera. Like I can't wait to be friends. Um, please know if you run into me, come say hi and we can be friends. I am really not comfortable with like checking my DMs all the time. Um, internet friends are still something that are like kind of anxiety provoking to me just because it's like these strangers that I've met on the internet that I want to be my friends. And to be honest, the reason why I feel uncomfortable by it and, um, it's not that you're not allowed to do this, but you all know so much about my life and I know nothing about y'all's. So it's really anxiety provoking to me of like, oh my God, this person wants to be my friend. They've seen all of these videos, all these things about me. And like, all I'm getting is a DM from you. So I don't really know <laughs> you. Um, I don't know who you are. And so if you come run into me or, you know, we're at where please come say hi, be my friend. Let's chat it up. And then I would love to get to know you better. But I don't really respond to a lot of the DMs, like reaching out just because I'm in a situation where like, y'all are thinking I'm really cool and I'm not. And there's that level of just, like, safety and security of, like, the internet's sometimes a really weird place. So that's nothing to do with y'all. But I do want to address that. If you come say hi, if you come see me at Disney World, please come say hi. Like, no, no, no one's going to be upset with you saying hi to me. That's absolutely loud. Um, I'd be honored. It would make my day completely happy. But, yeah, that's kind of the story, I guess, of my queer journey, where I'm at, um, stuff about my cat. Uh, working at the new location I'm working at. You will get a podcast episode next week too, even though I'm moving. If it comes late or if it comes early, I'm sorry. That's what you get. You know, this is this composed mess. So y'all did not sign up for feature length films um, or professionally done podcasts, but I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for listening. My name's Finn. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. I am a non-binary queer person. We're going to do that this week. That's where I'm at right now. Um, and you've been listening to this composed mess. I hope you have a great week. Please let me know how y'all are doing. My DMs are open for that reason. And enjoy your week, pals. Thanks for listening. Bye.